Ciao ragazzi and welcome to Serie A Sit Down. I'm Frank Pavello. That's Richard Carmen, and he is off the wagon. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. I am off the wagon. Uh, and there's a good reason, too. Uh, it's, a, it's a joyous celebration day for at least us. I can't say everybody. But <laughs> you can hear the music in the background. It's obvious. Uh, big yes. Milan victory today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, we are part of World Football Index, and we are uh, the podcast of Calcio Told Like It Is. Um, and yeah, if uh, you hadn't noticed by now, uh, we are celebrating. I usually have a beer uh, or two during this podcast, but with uh, the incredible win for Milan today over Juventus uh, as a Milan supporter, I I could not uh, resist the urge. And I saw Richard uh, put you know put together his bar. He's got the whole background going. Uh, so uh, we are going with a uh, a uh, bourbon and Seven Up, uh, and the uh, bourbon is is uh, from Bullet. Um, and no, I did not start on this bottle today. Um, <laughs> although uh, you you could accuse me of doing so. Um, right? Yeah, I got a little so. Jack and Coke right now, and I'm gonna eventually go to the Four Roses a little bit later. So yeah, it's just a joyous uh, joyous time right now. I know that Ken Schofredi appreciates this. I'll probably uh, have to uh, have myself a little bit of my uh, Woodford Reserve double oat. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, like Mr. Bob's got uh, rum and coke as well. So, like I said, it's a, it's a celebration all the way around. It's happy hour. It's happy. Yep. Hour. Yep. Absolutely. Oh yeah. I mean, there you go, Mr. Bob. Rum and coke. Well played. Nothing wrong with that. I used to be a Captain Morgan and Coke guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I was in uh, college, I almost said high school. It probably was in high school too. <laughs> so. Um, but nonetheless, man, I'll tell you what, it was, uh, you know, we had the, the, the contenders going again today. Um, we had match day 30, which we're going to go through with 32 goals. Um, you know, I mean, uh, Serie A can't stop scoring and, uh, we, we all benefit greatly from it. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a joy to watch. I mean, so many people kept trying to say, "Oh, it's a farmers' league, it's a oh, defensive league." Get the hell out of here! It's goals galore. It's offensive football. I mean, all you gotta do is watch Napoli or or Sassuolo or heck Atalanta or today Milan. Uh, you know, there's a lot of scoring in the league, and uh, it's just it's just fun to watch, it's, especially for all of us who followed it, you know, through yep. its uh, amalgamation throughout the years, and now where we're at, it's just uh, it's awesome. Tell me that the English Premier League is exciting, and I will. Uh point you to that Tottenham Everton game on Monday. Oh. <laughs> wow. I saw your text about that. Wow. And you know, the shame of it is, is that is Carlo Ancelotti against uh, Jose Mourinho, two managers that I got to see in person in 2008 uh, at the Milan Derby. So not your father's Serie A. Absolutely right, Bob. I, I right. agree with that. So, uh, but uh Man, let's get into it. And I mean, obviously, what's going to headline this podcast, Milan 4, Juventus 2. Take it away. Yeah, that was a, it's a, it was a big game. Uh, we knew this coming in. Uh, obviously, Juventus had a chance to go 10 points up on, on, on Lazio and you know basically sew up the Scudetto, even though most of us already think it's over. Uh, and then Milan, they were coming in this hot. They're one of the hottest teams coming out of the restart, uh, along with Juventus and Atalanta. And so many wondered, you know, off that big victory against Lazio, a big victory against Roma, how would Milan fare against Juventus? They played him in the second leg of the Coppa Italia, and they matched up fairly, even, fairly evenly. So uh, look at the lineups in this one. Uh, for the road team, Juventus uh, in goal, Wojciech Chesney to start. Uh, they came out with the back four of Juan Cuadrado, Daniele Rugani, Leonardo Bonucci, and Danilo. Uh, in the middle, you had uh, Rodrigo Bentecourt, Marilyn Pjanic, 
Adrian Rabiot got the start. And then up top, you had a trio of Federico Bernardeschi, Gonzalo Higuain, and Cristiano Ronaldo. It's a pretty standard lineup, Frank. Uh, no, no real surprises for me. Uh, I, I still find it odd to see Juan Cuadrado playing right back, but he does a good job. I mean, he's another attacking option that they have. So, I mean, why not? But he's been in good form. Yeah, um, he has. You know, I mean, we'll talk about the uh, the Turin derby uh, here in a little bit, and he played extremely well in that. Um, What's up, Anthony? Hey, Anthony, checking in. What's up, man? Um, so. You know, there's there's that uh, kind of a forced lineup. You have um, uh, Matias Delict was suspended. You had Paulo Dybala suspended. Um, you know, so this is what you were going to have. They give Gonzalo Higuain the start, which I was somewhat surprised. I, I thought maybe some sort of a false nine setup where you can play Bernadeschi, um, Ronaldo, and uh, Diego Costa. Or not Diego Costa, Douglas Costa. Douglas me. Costa. So, um, so that was interesting to me. And then on the left hand side, I think Danilo. That's kind of forced Alexandro not getting the start. That was kind of interesting too. Um, but uh, all told, kind of the lineup that we expected to see for Juve uh, coming in. Yeah, no, no, it certainly was. Uh, sorry, I was, ch- I was chatting to Mister Bob. He said he put a little bit too much rum in his drink to start off. But uh, hey, it's okay. It's a celebration mood right now. Uh, for most of us, not all of us. Sorry, Anthony. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. <laughs> uh, and you know, let's look at the starting. Oh, we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about them later too. We are. We are. <laughs> but we're going to start off here with uh, Milan starting eleven in goal. Obviously, Gigi Donnarumma. Uh, they had a back four of Andrea Conti, Simon Chiar. We get the start as well as Alessio Romagnoli and Teo Hernandez. You had a midfield four, I guess you could say, um, depending on how you looked at midfield three of Frank Kessie. Ismail Benacer and Alexis Salamakers with uh, Lucas Paqueta, Ante Rebic, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic leading the way. Uh, good solid lineup, I thought, for Milan. Um, you know, obviously, players like Rafael Leao has been very hot lately. Hakan Chalanolu has been very hot. Uh, but this is a, it's a pretty good lineup. And, you know, I, I, we knew Alexis Salamakers was going to get a start in this one with the injury to Castillejo with his hamstring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Paqueta has actually been playing very well as of late. So this is a good lineup for me to start off. Um, yeah, I mean, the one that I thought Davide Calabria played really well in the Coppa Italia second leg, and I thought that maybe he might get the run out uh, over Conti on the on the right hand side of the defense. Um, I, I thought that defensively that would have been a marginally better option to deal with Ronaldo coming from that side than than what Conti can do. Although Conti has made a little bit of improvement as a defender, I'm not ready to I'm not ready to call him Moro to Sotti anytime soon. Um, but, uh, nonetheless, um, it's, uh, you know, it's what they picked. Um, you have the, uh, the, the new double pivot that all of me on Twitter is just in love with right now with Benacer and Kessie and why yeah, not? They've been absolutely. amazing. Um, you have the combination of Chiara and Romagnoli. So this is a lineup you can feel pretty confident to have a chance. And now the other thing that I'll point out going into the game, when it was Rugani and Bonucci at the center of the defense, it looked to me that, that felt like okay, Milan can get at these guys, okay? Yeah, yeah. You know, Rugani has not lived up to what has been expected of him. Um, and uh, Bonucci can be very loose as well. So yeah. if they could find a way to work through that midfield, there was a chance. I mean, Bentoncourt was obviously going to do a lot of covering. Um, Rabio really just works his tail set off. He's a real engine room guy, uh, yeah. you know, through the midfield. And you've got Pjanic who's kind of doing the playmaking that 
they don't want to burden him with too much of the tackling and too much of the dirty work, uh, you know, with where he's at in his career. Uh, you know, he's in there for his skill, for his passing, for his set piece mastery. Yeah. Um, you know, so when I looked at this back line for Juve, when I looked especially at the center backs, I thought Milan could get at these guys. So, um, but, uh, you know, we had to let it unfold. Absolutely. And I, I think with, you know, there were certain key losses that Juventus had coming into this matchup. No Dybala, no Delict. Uh, many people had been, you know, maybe making fun of the Delict signing throughout the season, but I thought he's been gotten better as the season's gone on. He's been a really a rock for them with Bonucci in the back. Um, and so not having them back there obviously showed in this game uh, as we get, as we'll get to, but he was a big loss. And obviously Paulo Dybala, I mean, say what you will about him on the road or whatever, but he is a big time player. And he, as of late, he's been scorching hot, scoring some very nice goals. So two big losses for them, but you know, Juventus has what most teams in Syria don't have, and that's depth. And so we yep. knew that despite having, not having those two guys, they're still going to bring a strong a lineup. And I've made this tweet during the game that they took off three, three starters and they brought in three starters. They had that kind of depth. Sure. Lazio is not going to be saying that. So, yeah, I mean, Dybala has been an outstanding form. So it was a big, big, relief uh for milan to not have to deal with him in this game um uh you know he 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 gets suspended over getting that yellow getting that yellow card for simulation uh, yeah. in the derby so yeah. you know a real shame um that said i've always been one that i you know i i, I want to see the other team's best possible team um absolutely you know but uh I, these this is these are also the rules of football. This is also the rules of Serie A, and you on that you get that fifth yellow card, even if you do it in a, even if it's for simulation. I mean, it's a cheap way to get suspended, but it's a suspension nonetheless. It's a fifth yellow, and and he has to sit this one out. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yes, Mr. Bob uh, Delict is learning the defending the Serie A style, and he's actually acclimating to it mm-hmm. very, very well. And you know, your other comment there is this the kind of game that you would have a, a cigar and a, and a smile afterwards? Absolutely, it is. But let's get let's get into the game because this really was a tale of two halves. Uh, my wife won't let me smoke a cigar in the house, so and it yeah, was raining out. Me too. But yes, it's it that kind of out. game. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, you're, he's right. <laughs> he is right. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it was a, it was a tale of two halves. Uh, the first half is kind of what you expect with two teams that are pretty hot and not very stingy, uh, not giving up many goals. Uh, early on, Ronaldo had a chance uh, on the left wing side, uh, took a shot, missed it just wide. Uh, a little bit later after that, Benedeschi and Higuain, uh, they were hooking up with each other and uh, took a chance on Donnarumma that he snuffed out fairly easily. Uh, you know, obviously, Teo Hernandez and Romagnoli played that play very well and kind of minimized the amount of power that Higuain could muster from the shot. But Donnarumma had made an easy save nonetheless. Um, and you know, going to the halftime, uh, it was zero zero and everybody was expecting this is what kind of game we're going to have. It's going to be a tough game. Um, two teams who are in good form, not going to give it many opportunities. And it's what kind of what we got in the first half. Yeah. I mean, it was a balanced first half, um, you know, on, on the whole, uh, there's not really one team that you could say had an edge over the other. Um, you had, you talked about the Ronaldo chance that I think Conti got a piece of, uh, that helped it go wide. Um, Milan had three shots on target. Uh, none of them were troubling Chesney. Uh, so, and I think that it was Iguain who got the chance on target late in the first half that Donnarumma got to, yep. um, nothing that was overly dangerous. So, so far for the first half, I think both teams carried out what they wanted to accomplish from an organizational standpoint. Um, you know, 
part of you thought this is going to carry on and go on and be a nil-nil game and neither team was going to be bothered by it. And yeah. um, that's at least the kind of the way I, I, I was feeling at halftime. I was like, this is either nil-nil or this is just going to come down to an odd goal. So and another another notable nuance, maybe you want to call it, it's, it happens in these big games, especially between these two, is Milanisti always bring up that all oh, the referees going to get involved. And there were two suspect yellows in the first half, Benasser and uh, I forget who the other one was. Um, people were up in arms Pocket, about it. Because, Pocketa. Pocketa, yes. And then people were up in arms about it because Danilo made a very similar foul to what Benasser did, and there was no there was no yellow card in his end. And so people were like, well, this is the kind of game it's going to be. Um, I didn't really have that, many, that big of a problem with it, but uh, what did you think about those, those yellows? Did you think uh, maybe Danilo should have got one as well or the other two maybe not deserve a yellow? gotten so used to it over the years that I, right? i'm not even bothered right. by it anymore you just have to you, you have to <laughs> you really have to plan for you know a little bit of imbalance from the officiating i'm not going to say it's going to be yeah. out and out bias there are some people that will scream bloody murder and outrage about it but um you know some of that stuff is just going to happen yeah. Um, you know, the old adage, the champions get the calls kind of thing. The stars get the calls and, and yeah, they were cheap yellows. I agree, Stevie. Uh, what's up my friend. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just something I think we've just gotten used to. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, Mr. Bob says, you know, the first half was like two boxers just jabbing at each other in the first round, just really trying to feel each other out. And it's kind of what we expected with a big game like this. Yep. Um, a notable change in at halftime was uh, Lucas Paqueta coming out, Hakan Chalanolu coming in. Um, Hakan's been very hot as of late. Uh, and I mean, both players have been playing really well, but Hakan's been scoring some goals lately, uh, especially and, and getting some assists. So he got he inserted into the game. Uh, and the second half was very, very much different than the, than the first half. Uh, early on, there was a turnover that some people are gonna, you know, say there was a penalty against uh, against Juve or against Milan on from Juve. Uh, nothing was called. I didn't think it was a penalty. Mm-mm. Regardless, um, Rabio out hustles Cassie to the loose ball. He ends up nutmegging Teo Hernandez, goes marauding down the right wing, uh, cuts in. As he cuts in, Iguain draws out Kiar away from the box, and Rabio just takes a whole, you know, old swing at it. And what a perfect shot! One of the goals of the weekend for me, Frank. Uh, perfectly placed. Nothing Gigio, in my opinion, could have done about that. I, I think it was poor defending all around by leaving him acres of space, but a good goal nonetheless. Yeah. Um... A few things to unpack uh, on this goal. Um, yeah. First of all, I mean it's a great finish by Rabio. Let's not cool. let's not take that away from him. Uh, Steven says, please let's give some huge credit to Conti. What a game! And I did allude to. I said I thought Calabria might have been a candidate for a run out just because of his performance in the Coppa Italia. But you're right, Conti did hold hold his own. Um, but like I said, I, you know, I said, and I don't know if you were here for this, Steve, but I did say I'm not ready to. You know, I'm not ready to make him the Moro Tosotti 2.0 just yet, but let's come back to the goal. Um, good finish by Rabio. I didn't like how casual Teo was yeah. um, on the tackle. Um, you know, I think he's got to be a lot stronger there. So then Rabio's off to the races, and Romagnoli's confronting him, and he's he's trying to stay in front of him, trying to stay with him. Now Iguain makes that run, which is a very clever run. At that point. Um, at that point, Chiara and Romagnoli have to communicate and pass off here. So, and it's a very, in that instance, it's a very difficult thing to do because if they don't understand each other and see that happening correctly, then Rabio has a walk to the goal. 
Um, but what should happen here is that Kiar passes off Romagnoli, so Roman or Kiar passes off Higuain to Romagnoli, and then takes over the responsibility for defending. The fact that Kiar got caught chasing Higuain took away any supporting defender that Romagnoli could have had. All right, and then that just that just exposed things. And Rab- Rabio takes his chance perfectly. Now, if Kiar holds and Romagnoli starts, they do that switch, and he can deal with Higuain. Kiara is in a better position to deal with Rabio's shot and potentially block it. Yeah. So um, it's very much splitting hairs, though, because in that run of play and with the speed of how that was all going down, that's a very challenging thing uh, for two defenders to pull off. I mean, at the time when it happened, I was pretty harsh on both of them. Um, I but guess when worse you, for those two. What's that? <laughs> it gets worse for those two, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but in, in that particular instance, that's – what I, what they needed to try to do, it would have been a big challenge to do it because if they're too slow in making that switch, then Rabio has a layoff to Iguain and Iguain has an easy look at the goal too. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, they went, they went with that. It just was, just was one of those things. So as soon as he cut in Rabio, uh, I was like, this is a goal. I knew it. I just knew it. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be that great of a shot as he as he got off. Uh, we, like you know, as as a tele, as a telecaster said, and I don't remember who it was. Uh, mm-hmm. He didn't go for power; he went for placement, and it was perfectly placed. Nothing don't sure. about that. Uh, sure. So, yeah, one nothing, just like that. And you know, it's, it's a punch to the stomach. But if you thought that was a punch to the stomach, uh, minutes later, Juan Cuadrado, uh, a beautiful pass over the top, finds Ronaldo. Uh, you know, one-on-one with the keeper, he's going to slot it home every time, uh, yeah. two nothing. But the big story here, the two defenders really take each other out. And really one per, one of the defenders should have been marking Ronaldo that play yeah. ball. They took each other out. Ronaldo easy tapping for him. Basically uh, he's going to yeah. score hundred percent of the time. That was six minutes, six to 10 minutes of block where we, where we finally saw, I mean, Chiara and Romagnoli up to this point had been an outstanding partnership you know, and we didn't have Kiar, Milan didn't have Kiar for the Spall game, and and it showed. Um, you know, they gave up two goals. Uh, things weren't as consistent defensively from an organizational standpoint. Gabi is going to have a future, um, but he's not at the level or at the experience of a Simon Kiar, who's the per- who we've said many times is a just an ideal complement for a defender like Romagnoli. Now, this is a total miscommunication, one to the ball, and then one to support or one to deal with Ronaldo in this case. Um, and uh, Miguel, Milano Miguel, who we had on last week, Ronaldo embarrassed Romagnoli and Kier with that goal. I think that Romagnoli and Kier other, embarrassed right? each other. <laughs> so, um, but nonetheless, uh, it puts Milan in a huge hole at two nil down. When that happens, I mean, if Juve goes up two nil, the game's sure. the game's done. I mean, it's just done. And and um, uh, at that moment, I was sitting here thinking. I said, "Do I want to turn this off, or do I want to keep watching?" And I just decided I'd keep watching. Take the pain and misery, right? Yeah. Uh, I I, I want to ask everybody out there, even people in this YouTube chat or anybody who listens to this afterwards, how many people at two nothing thought the game was over? Or had or thought Milan had any chance of coming back. I would guarantee you it was about ninety five percent or more that people thought the game was over, and for good reason. It's it's history with that, right? I'd even say ninety eight to ninety nine percent. Right. I know exactly for sure. Um, things Milan did not give up, uh, and then in the sixtieth minute, uh, some good attacking prowess and mostly led by Taro Hernandez uh, coming down the left flank. Uh, he cuts it in and uh, tries to look for Rebic. 
Uh, there's, a, there's some bouncing around going in the box. It goes out of bounds. Rebic starts yelling at the referee. He gets a yellow, and we're like, what's going on here? Uh, and then the VAR says, hey, hey, come back to this. What well, You got to watch this. Uh, look at the replay. Um, first, you know, many people thought it came off of Rebic's hand or something like that or whatever, but came off his chest, hit Banucci's arm, yellow card, penalty shot or penalty kick. Uh, first off, did you think it was a good penalty, good, uh, good call by VAR and the referee ultimately? We saw it over the weekend in a very similar situation, and I'm trying to remember the game um, where it happened. So Martino said he had to take his dog in the bathroom to recharge his batteries because uh, the mental issues. Took his dog to the bathroom. What does he mean by that? That's it, what what I, I I'm not. He I'm had not to recharge. Ask. Okay, he had to recharge. I'm not going to ask. <laughs> I'm not going to ask. But was it a like you took your you took your dog Martino just clarify that did you take your dog outside or did you literally take him to your bathroom or yeah, is, is, is 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 dog a nickname a nickname I don't I don't want this podcast to go off I the took rails. his dog outside literally okay okay okay, okay. <laughs> wasn't right. your own bathroom all right <laughs> good god I just we got we got thrown off so anyway was that a penalty for you yes because similar instances over the weekend were called that way too. Yeah. So, no, for sure. And, I mean, where they went to VAR and they saw it and they called it. So, um, and I'm trying to remember which one it was, but I, you know, and I, we'll, we'll go through it and I'll, it'll, I do it'll jump fans who actually, you know, who follow the EPL because there's their VAR is behind like Germany and, and, and Italy right now. And so they're, they're having all the hiccups right now. And they're getting bad, bad calls. Syria yeah. is doing fairly, fairly well. Bundesliga is, is a little bit above them, but. Yeah, they got this one spot on, right? I think uh, Rebic did a fantastic job to hit it off his chest, uh, trying to get a goal with his chest, and it hit off you know Benucci's arm. I I agree. Uh, it was a penalty. Good call. Good yellow on that. Um, and then of course you know Zlatan's gonna step up, take the kick. I don't know if anybody else caught this, but uh, Ronaldo walked up to to Zlatan and started chirping at him in his ear, uh, and then stepped back, and then Zlatan proceeds to score as he would, turns around and just smiles right at Ronaldo. And I thought that was brilliant mm-hmm. between the two superstars. I think, and I thought I saw somebody on Twitter say that uh, uh, Ronaldo said something to uh, Chesney in terms of, hey, you know him oh, yeah. um, <laughs> as well, in addition to all of that. So, um, yeah, so there's a little bit of gamesmanship on that, but a, a much better penalty than the one we'll talk about later uh, uh, for Ibra. But, uh, get, you know, all yeah, of a sudden, yeah. you know, there's there's hope, which is a terrible thing to do to Milan fans. <laughs> It is. It usually doesn't over end the well. last few years. Doesn't doesn't end well, does it? No. Uh, but this time, even a little bit more optimism. I mean, a lot more optimism. Four minutes later, um, a, a lot of work is going on, but mostly it was a give and go between Kessier and and Zlatan. Zlatan gives it back to Kessier. He does brilliantly with his footwork. Slots it home past Chesney. All of a sudden, it's two two out of nowhere. Frank uh, Frank the Tank scores the goal, and it's it's surprising that Juve gives the two quick goals. Sure enough, to Milan, but just two goals in general. That's uh shocking all around there and uh, all of a sudden we're in the game you you and i saw your tweet and says game on yeah i to my amazement i mean i think that i think all of us were probably looking at this is like is this did, did this just really happen i mean there's a my my emotions at that time were kind of a mix of excitement and wait a second are we sure <laughs> did, I not, did i not did i not did i not drop into some parallel universe right. um where, where this is something that I just dream about, and then I'm going to come back and find out that actually that w- those weren't Milan goals; those were Juve goals. They, you know, 
a penalty for sure. I mean, but, but anyway, um, no, I, it was, it is the ideal response that you want in the job that Pioli did in this game and the substitutions. I mean, he, you know, prior to that, prior to these goals, he also brought on layout. Yes, that was big for uh, Salamakers, which created a lot more imbalance and can unlock Hube a little bit more because he's coming from a different position where Salamakers is working from one flank. Okay, you know, going at one defender and that sort of thing, and layouts all over the place. So that provided a little bit of unpredictability with what Milan were doing going forward. And I think that the combination of that having Chalhanolu back on the pitch um, for this, you know, for the second half. I think that those com- the, the combination of those things really started to confuse Juve. It, it certainly was, and it's something that you're not used to seeing with Juventus is that seeing them confused back there. And, you know, you still had Benucci back there. You had some veterans back there, but still yeah. they, they were very confused. Uh, and one minute later, uh, Hakan Shalonolu collects a loose ball, uh, leads a counter, finds uh, Rafael Liao on the left-hand side. He sees Rugani. His eyes light up. He takes him one-on-one. Slots home a shot past Chesney. Uh, 3-2, all of a sudden, three goals out of nowhere for Milan. We're all in dreamland at this point. We're like, what the heck is going on? Is this an old game from back in the day? What's going on here? Juve switched off Big time. in that moment. And I think that they thought a stoppage was coming um, of some sort. And they just they switched off. I couldn't, you know, and, and then and Leal can just walk this thing to the goal. And... Uh, it was it was stunning, and then you're sitting here in the space of five minutes. You go from two nil down to three two up against Juventus, against the eight time champions, against the team that this is not supposed to happen. No, it's not. It never happened again. When Juve leads two nil, the game is over. Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, so it's astonishing uh, what we witnessed. I mean, and it shows the spirit of this team and a lot of young players out there still for Milan. Let's not forget, and a lot of young players that grew up today. Big time, big time. And uh, there was a tweet that I knew was going to come, and it actually came from uh, Carlo Garganese. Uh, he says, oh, it's uh, Istanbul all over again, three goals from Milan. And, you know, obviously Nima chimes in. He's like, no way, that's to happen the opposite way. And I was like, dude, it's too soon. He's like, too soon, it's 15 years. I'm like, that's too soon. Yeah. <laughs> regardless. Yeah, those are still fresh wounds. Very fresh wounds. Anyway, regardless, <laughs> let's move on from that. 3-2. Uh, uh, brilliant comeback by Milan. Uh, the goalies did actually play here in the second half. Uh, there was an opportunity where uh, Juventus had a corner kick. Uh, Daniela Rugani got on the he- end of it. A uh, powerful header down low. Uh, Gigio Donnarumma got down and made a brilliant save on it. And I think Kessier cleared it away. But a big save. And it was a big save because uh, in the 80th minute, uh, Alexandro, who came in just recently, uh, he made a brilliant pass, perfect pass to Giacomo Bonaventura, who's not on his team, wide open. Uh, he finds Rebic, who's right in the middle of the box, unmarked. And Rebic is not going to miss from there. Four to two, his hot streak continues. What do you say, like 10 goals in 12 games or something? Yeah, uh, he's on the tear. Four two, Milan with a freaking ridiculous victory in this one. Um, I'm still in shock. I mean, we're obviously in drinking mood. Um, as, as Stevie say, uh, Madonna Mia, save what a save by Gigio. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but this is a great game overall. And, you know, I was so close to giving Romagnoli flop of the game because he almost took a Chiar two at one point in the game. Uh, with a kick to the face. Um, overall, it just ended up being a good game. And I don't know who the man of the match is for me, but um, wow, what a performance by by Milan. I like the shout uh, that Miguel has on uh, Kessie. Kessie, yeah. 
man of the match. Yeah, he's up there for me for sure. He yeah, I thought boy. I thought he was terrific. Um, Hakon was a big game changer when he came on. Yeah, as well. I mean, yep. Um, you know, I'll I'll say that um, Rebic was opportunistic. Um, so you want you know, strike to be though, right? Yep. The, the fourth and the fourth goal is really good pressing uh, by Milan and, and forcing Alexandro into a mistake. And he tried to play a ball that he thought was safe and great positioning by Bonaventura and great job of reading it and acting on it. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm, on, I'm with Miguel. I'm with Stevie here and I'm, I'm, I thought Frank Kessie was the best player on the pitch in this game. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. I mean, like Stevie says, you know, when he's left to do his job and he doesn't have to do too much, like Romagnoli, they play so much better. Uh, and Frank is, uh, I'm glad he's, he's still on the team. And somebody, I saw a tweet that came out and said, hey, we should trade uh, Kessier for Gagliardini. I'm like, get the hell out of here. No. Come on. No way. Oh, no. Never. That and 100 million, maybe. Yep. <laughs> That's how much he means to the team right now and the fans. So, yeah, I, I thought Benesser was good, not great. Um, you know, yellow card uh, early, which was kind of sketchy. Um, but he helped the team keep the ball. He got into some situations where he had some crucial, did some crucial ball winning. Um, you know, and I thought, like I said, the, the forwards, Latan, he had the assist for Kessie. He scored the penalty. Rebic had a goal and an assist. Um, and then you had uh, Donnarumma making a huge save in the second half. And I believe that was on Rugani. Um you know, those were the ones that I come away with that probably were the best players in that in the game for Milan, but probably going to go with Frank Cassie above all of them. I'm in agreement with what everybody's saying in the chat. No, 100%. Um, I thought it was a brilliant performance by Milan. You know, they, they continue their hot streak. I got a little bit of music going on in the background. If you guys can hear it, let me know. If you can't, let me know. Uh, but yeah, you know, Milan's been playing so well as of late. Obviously, it's going to bring up a lot of questions. We were wondering how Milan would play into, going into this game because, as Milan do in the old Italian drama, they announced just before the game that Ranić is going to become the, the new next manager for Milan and all the other million positions. Uh, and many wonder, would this have an effect on the game? Pioli and the team, they, they came out focused. They did what they had to do. They did come out sluggish, as, as the guys have mentioned in the chat. But overall, I mean, Milan played excellent. Is this the Milan? This isn't the Milan anthem, is it? No, this is the uh, what's the song that came out to? It was uh, MS Killa and uh, Saturnignon or whatever. Oh, okay. That's okay. song that came out to in the stadium. Every Perfect. Day. Perfect. Um, let me. Th they're the form team right now in Serie A. Them and Atalanta, I think. Yeah. They are the they the you know you know and I, I would even say just slightly ahead of Atalanta. I think Atalanta is winning games. Milan have played five they've won four and they've drawn one uh and they've scored 15 goals um it's no we're not used to this at all so um it's astonishing uh you know what the break has done for them to be able to regroup get it all together you know and if they play you know Ibrahimovic made the comment, said, if I had been playing with Milan from the beginning of the season, we would be winning the Scudetto. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... <laughs> well, when you look at this form, 13 points from, from a possible 15 in your first five games back, and it's no slouches. It's Juve, it's Lazio, it's Roma. Um, yeah. They yeah. battled back from 2-0 down to draw Spall, uh, and they blew away Lecce 4-1. Um, you know, and, and I mean, they... 
15 goals scored, five conceded, and three of the five, Kiar wasn't on the pitch. All right? Yeah. There was a brilliant so, statistic where uh, they said, like, you know, with Milan with Kiar and Milan without Kiar is, like, a vast difference. I mean, they barely give up goals. They win games a lot more than when he's not there. And, and it yeah. shows he's been the rock for Romagnoli and the team. So they're in Scudetto winning form since coming back from the break. Um, I mean, that is a that is a rate that wins a Scudetto um, because I believe that's, uh, you know, a, a a rate that over 38 games would be in the neighborhood of 100 points. Now, it's a very hard rate to keep up. I get that. But um, Zlatan is not wrong in what he's saying. The points, the goals, and, and, and the way this team has played. And uh, the job that Pioli has done to get this thing together and to get them to – they're in fifth now. All right. Richard's going for a refill. Um, yeah, no, they're fifth, and, you know – the, the question then, we, you know, since we're talking about it and in their fifth place right now, it makes a decision even that much more crazier now that they announced Ranić because, you know, they didn't wait till the end of the season. We've been through this before, right? And and Andrew mm-hmm. Fred sent this this question out earlier. You know, it's the same situation as last time. Gattuso led you guys, led us just one point from out of Champions League last year. We got rid of him, started over. Uh, now Pioli has an opportunity to to lead them, you know, from this abysmal season. By the way, he's probably going to be one of the coaches of the year candidates, not the candidate, but, you know, one of the candidates because what he's done mm-hmm. um, if they finish at fifth. Uh, but, he's, you know, the team is now in fifth place. And, you know, if they do finish somewhere fifth or sixth to get Europa League, and then are you going to start over with Ranić? You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cycle that's not good. I mean, I, I, I like the outcome where we're going, what we're doing with Ranić. My opinion, this is just my opinion, you know, Ranić and the and the team and the backroom staff should think about this again and be like, look, Pioli's doing really well for us. Let him stay as manager. Let me teach him. See if first find out if he's willing to adapt to his gagging press, maybe, and kind of shift to that eventually. But well, you see some pressing features with what he's doing now. Yeah, so he, he probably could do it, and yep. he's smart enough to do it. So give him an opportunity. Let Ranić stay in the backroom with every every other job he wants. He wants to be you know uh, medical director and all this other stuff too. Let him do that. That's fine. Yeah. Let Pioli do the job at manager because he's doing a fantastic job right now. Sure, sure. But let me play devil's advocate. Please. Okay. Let me play devil's advocate here. Um, Milan are the devils. Not a pun. Just what I said. (laughs) But anyway, let's look at let's 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 look at this. Okay, they they beat a Juventus that couldn't play DiBala or Delict. They beat a Lazio that couldn't play Immobile and Caicedo. Caicedo, yep. All right. So they got to play the top two teams, but they got to play them. And I'm not trying to be the Debbie Downer. I'm not trying to be. And I, I'm I'm excited that Milan are on this run. Believe me, it's been long overdue. It's been it's been needed for a fan base that's been starving for some success of some degree. But these aren't the best sides they could have gone up against. Okay. Yeah. And you have to really compute the possibility that things could have been different if those players were a bit were available. Unfortunately, you know, but rules are rules. They all got their fifth yellows, couldn't be available for the game, and and Milan ran into a little bit of luck. Okay. But uh, now, so that's one thing, okay, with this run. And I think that Pioli certainly deserves a lot of the plaudits for taking advantage of the situation and coming away with wins because a good manager is going to seize those things and take advantage of them and go on and 
do what do what's necessary to win those games in those situations. The other part of Pioli is you look at his resume. Sure, absolutely. He gets stale. Okay, it happened at Lazio. It happened at Inter. It happened at Fiorentina. Um, you know, the sample size or the resume doesn't afford Pioli to be extended. You know, if you just look at it strictly on that, sure. yeah, they're doing the right thing by doing something here with Rangnick and having Pioli being the caretaker. Okay. Um, and I, but I agree with Stevie wholeheartedly. Someone Milan needs to answer some questions about their public relations, terrible timing and very disrespectful. Yes. There's a man in charge right now. Okay. And what has been said to Pioli behind closed doors? What has Gazita said? What has Maldini said? What have, what have those guys said? All right. To Pioli. What have they said to him? Yeah. You know, have they said, Hey, we don't know. We don't know. this is a part, to, this is a temp job for you. At the end of the season, we're going in a different direction. Okay. Um, so, but the trend with Pioli and the history with Pioli suggests that this is great, but it does, it does regress. Now to counter that, don't, haven't they, haven't they said that about other managers in the past too? Uh, Claudio Ranieri and some other ones, you know, he's a tinker man and there's other, other people that have that've had this stigmas where you know they're they they can never get to that next level and then and some of those guys not all some of them get to that next level just because they find the right team that's perfect for them maybe this is it maybe it's not um out of all of this Piola is going to come out come smelling roses because he's faced back-to-back difficult situations obviously the trauma that happened in Fiorentina with Astori passing away having to you know pull that team together and and keep them from getting relegated and coming to Milan a situation where it was this shit show with, with Gianpaolo Yep. Um, it started out so poorly, and then now they're what one of the best teams in, in the in the restart. You know, he could, he could whether he gets the job with Milan next year or not, he's gonna get have, he's gonna have opportunities because of what he did at Milan and 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 Fiorentina as well. He's he's saved two teams that had very difficult situations, and he's stabilized them, which we knew he's gonna stabilize. And you were, you were, you were talking about it when we when we hired him. He's gonna stabilize the ship. You were the only one Pioli in while everybody else was Pioli out. Um, and so he's going to come out the best out of all this. Well, I, Sabrina Belmonte was also Pioli in, and Michael Lisi to an extent was Pioli in that he just didn't, he didn't want a former player retread. Yeah. So yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to take all the credit for that. So I did ask after the, you know, Lazio game when, when I should take my victory lap on suggesting this. And I, I suggested it even before it was even possibly considered that Pioli would end up being the manager after Jim Paulo was sacked. I went to Twitter and I said, you know, Stefano Pioli, yeah, not a I bad remember. idea. Yeah. Not a bad idea. He's a four-three-three guy. This is four-three-three personnel. Not a bad stopgap to get to before you get to the next guy. So, and then when it happened, all hell broke loose with Milan Twitter. And I looked at it and I said, eh, "This could this could actually be okay, guys. Let's let's give it a chance." I'm I was definitely not on the Pioli out trend. I was actually I actually thought that was shameful too. Yeah, so. no, it, it definitely was. And uh, Stevie saying if they make Europa and this change is official, we will have three on the payroll starting next season. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, yeah. What are you going to do? Um, and, you know, we're, we're talking a lot of Milan for good reason, obviously. Uh, Juventus, uh, you know, before the game, many people were questioning, you know, Sarri and his and 
whether this team is good enough with him there. And Allegri said, look, I, I built this team so they could have success for years to come after I leave. Um, and I believe he's right. Uh, mm-hmm. and, I, and I don't, and obviously they're going to win the squad after this year. No brainer. I mean, I, I, with the results that we're going to get to the later bit later, uh, Juventus is going to win another Scudetto despite the win here. They're going to, they're celebrating right now. They're happy about this. Yeah. Um, but you know, Juventus, I think they're, they're playing at another level and they have what, and I talked about this when I was on uncle Sharma's uh, YouTube uh, recently. And I talked about this, like, you know, the, the depth that Juventus has is ridiculous compared to everybody else in Syria. Nobody else can match them in the depth department. Lazio yeah. is the closest to matching them skill level on the pitch starting 11. But when you go to the bench, Juve can pull another eleven out almost, and and nobody else can do that. Yeah, um, it's it's unfair. And you know, yep. there's a question that Anthony uh, from uh, Inter Worldwide he says, you know, I feel embarrassed as an Inter fan that the league can't take advantage of the inconsistent Juve. Uh, they will leave today with a defeat, and it did nothing to damage them. A dark morning for Lazio and Inter because they're officially out of this Scudetto hunt. Yeah, they got, I, bigger, they got bigger things to worry about too. By the way, Lazio and Inter, but we'll get to that. I think when Juve take a step back from this, when Saudi takes a step back from it, when the team takes a step back from this game, as great as this is for Milan supporters and Milan fans, I don't think Juve is going to be terribly bothered by what happened here. I think they're going to be disappointed in the manner with which they dropped a 2-0 lead. Yeah. But I think that's going to shake off pretty quickly. I mean, they're going to look at the table and they're going to realize they still have a seven-point lead. Um, that um, they did not field their best team that this thing clicks when Dybala and Ronaldo are on the pitch together. Yep. The defense is better when Delict is partnering Bonucci and not Rugani. Exactly. Um, you know, so there's a lot of facets here, uh, you know, with Juventus for why they're not going to be terribly bothered by what happened with this game. The two people who are the two groups that are going to be the loudest are going to be the Paul Dybala camp being like, look, you guys need us. You need him for us to do well. He's, he's one of our best players. We need him there. And also the Delict camp, people were saying, he is good. He's getting better. He is he's a great partner for, for Bonucci and for that defense in general. And not having him there caused four goals to happen, and maybe no goals would have happened. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so those camps are going to be loud. But, yeah, Juve overall, their fans, um, they're going to be happy about just being another Scudetto win. And maybe they're not happy because they they get no competition now. You know, Every year right. there's a team that's close, and then they capitulate at the end. But Indeed. Indeed. So I don't think they're going to be terrible. Like I said, don't think that Juve is terribly bothered by what happened here. So, um, but a great win for Milan, an important win, a three points that they probably maybe didn't factor for in terms of their hunt for reaching top six and, uh, you know, securing a place in the Europa League next season. But here we are. They've got it. Uh, Juventus still seven points clear because Lazio earlier today uh, traveled to Lecce. Um and this time, there's no excuse. They had everybody. Um, yeah. And uh, they had Immobile. They had Caicedo. Um, they they went with uh, Parolo and Leva uh, with Luis Alberto maybe pushing in front of them to pull the strings. Uh, Lazzari and Johnny, who have been the wingbacks, and then a back three of Patrick Acerbi and Stefan Radu with Strakosia and goal. Um, go into some of the uh, details on this. Uh Let's see. Uh, Lecce with Gabriel in goal, uh, Donati, Lucioni, Paz, and Calderoni. Midfield, Mancosu, Petriccioni, and Barak. And then Falco, Babacar, and Saponato. Finally, finally, uh, finally, Babacar gets a start in this Lecce side. 
Yeah, he's uh he's been a he's been a good addition for that squad. Um, and he adds uh, adds much needed depth that Lecce really don't have. Uh, he has another uh, depth that, that they 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 needed a lot. I mean, obviously they have Falco, they have um, um, Mancosu in the attacking midfield role, and the effort they have Lapadula, but you know he can do what he can. But Babacar has been is, is has more goals in Serie A than than any of those guys, um, and he is someone who who's been there, done that, and you need someone when that when the time comes and goals are needed. Babacar is the guy who can you know create them, not necessarily get them, but he'll he'll be involved in the box and. Uh, cause the chaos to get the goals and so i thought you know having baba car gonna start in this was great um he's always done really well especially when he was like a fiorentina uh so to have him you know get the start in this one was uh was a great move by lecce i thought at this point if they had any shot baba car was me one of the main guys driving that sure five minutes in uh a uh a, an attempt that uh, gabriel just can't handle and caicedo pounces on it giving lazio the one nil lead and you think okay here we go they're ready to make another push um, one of their front two gets on the score sheet. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it seems that Mancosu gets the goal early, and everyone's like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, we got a goal," but they took it away, and uh, it seemed like the dream start for Lecce, and 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 it was not. Unfortunately, yeah. it was the the worst start possible. <laughs> yep, that happened just before the uh, Caicedo goal, uh, and Lazio took advantage. Team's most vulnerable after they score a goal, and I guess the team is also most vulnerable after they have a goal taken away from them. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Caicedo, um, opportunistic as you expect for a striker. Uh, he's been uh, a great poacher, and he he's had something like twenty. What is it? Twenty five goals in the last, or ten goals in the last twenty five games, or something. It's, it's a really good mark for him, especially someone who comes off mostly as a substitute. Um, well done by him, and uh, finished it off in Lazio. Man, uh, kind of the start you expected for them to have, especially. I was talking to a Lecce fan, uh, the Lecce UK group here uh, on on Instagram, and they were saying, "Oh, how do you think this game's going to go?" And I said, "The game's going to go one of two ways: either Lazio's going to come out swinging because they're pissed off at the loss in Milan, or you're going to sneak at three points from them." You know, it depends. And then the way it looked early, it looked like Lazio was just going to clobber them, especially with that early goal by Caicedo. Yep, yep, agreed. So, and and Lecce's track record for defending that you wouldn't be wrong in believing that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and in fact, uh, Immobile had a great chance, point blank, uh, that Gabriel made a great save on, and yeah. uh, that should have been two 0 at that point. You you expect I expect as my capo Cananieri pick Immobile to bag those, uh, but it didn't happen. But in the thirtieth minute, uh, Lazio is rightfully punished uh, for not seizing their opportunities. Kuma Babacar, the man we just talked about, on a cross from Filippo Falco, uh, making it one one. And um, all of a sudden, it just feels like that team that's a favorite, they're winning, they're cruising, things are going well, and now they've just – the home underdog has gotten one on them. So Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing, really. I, and I was jumping when I heard this. Not, not that I care about Lazio or Lecce, but just, you know, that a team that's that's so so much an underdog gets a goal on a team like Lazio. And, and Lazio, it kind of tells you what kind of state they're in right now that – they just can't stop any goals from coming in, right? And and Balogard yeah. gets a great opportunity. He he takes advantage of it, uh, and Lecce are on the board. And you know they couldn't it couldn't have been any happier with this, or so we thought. You know, moments later something happens, but great goal by Babacar. You know to get the the equalizer. It's it's never easy when you get a chance like that. Sometimes you uh, want to pull the trigger a little too too early, and you blow your opportunity. But Mancos, uh, Babacar, excuse me. Uh, is the guy like we just talked about has the experience and he's been there, he's done that, so he can be calm in that situation and put away the goal as he did. Um, 
Lecce would get a penalty just before halftime, uh, and Marco Mancosu with an effort that Simone Zaza would would laugh at. (laughs) Absolutely. No, no, 100%. And I have a take on this, and you may have the same take as me. Um, Mancosu up to this point had been perfect, right? 10 for 10 or 7 for 7, something, whatever the number is. Um, No one had even come close to stopping him. And what he does is on on his penalty attempts, he does his little skip thing and hops just before he shoots it, trying to read the goaltender to see which way he goes and then shoots the opposite way. Strakosha being the smart one, he must have read all the all these penalties. He didn't move. He waited to the last minute and wait, made it let made Mancusu take the first move, which threw him off completely, and he just skyrocketed it. And hmm. Strakosha comes off as a genius. If you watch it, Strakosha is the last one to move, and usually the goalies move moves first. He just stood his ground. He didn't move, and and I think Mancusu panicked and just did a Simone Zaza. Yep. And I think Sarkosha should get a save or something like that because he was smart about it and outweighed him. And that's the key with Mancosu and guys like him who try to wait on the goalie. Yep. Milinkovic Savic comes on to start the set. I think it was a mistake that they didn't start him. Don't you? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, and you're, chasing been- a t- you're chasing a title. You're still in this thing. How and do you not play your, your best team. possible team? And they're going to say, you know, we had so many games and so many days and he needed some rest. Or, you, Like you said, your best players need to start at all times, and especially teams like Lazio who don't have the depth need to play their starting 11 as much as possible or the best players as much as possible because you don't, you can't afford a little slip-up. Yes, it's Lecce, yep. but Lecce has shown glimpses in the past this season where they've mm-hmm. been a, a pain in the ass to everybody they played, most of the teams they played. And so... You roll the dice, and they they paid for it hard. Yeah, I mean, and the, and that's that's where I have the problem. I said you're, you're you're playing for a scudetto. I would rather play my best team with the optimism that I'm going to get three nil up at some point, you know, and then I can bring out Milinkovic Savic and bring in Lucas, and I can let him rest then, you know, or I can bring in bring out this player, bring in this player. I, you know, it's it's just. It was just uh, stunning to me um, that that's the team that Inzaghi picked. But he also um, brought out Johnny at at halftime. He brought on Jordan Lukaku, um, which that one had me scratching my head. I did just did, did Simone Inzaghi just completely overthink this game? I think he did. I I think he did, and it, it's it's shocking to me. I think they're in a state of, you know, we talked about this in the past with Lazio and even Inter that you know. At usually around usually around January, February, they kind of just implode themselves. They think too much, and they just everything hits the fan. I think that's kind of what we see in Lazio now, and I think this case in particular, Inzaghi just overthought it and started bringing in Johnny and Lukaku, players who am I like, by the way. Uh, it just wasn't right for the situation, not starting SMS to begin with. He overthought it, and I, I it came back to bite him. It did. Yep, yep, agree with that. Um, and they would be punished in the 47th minute. A set piece, Ricardo Saponato finding Fabio Lucioni. Um, how dangerously close to Vinny Jones, uh, being <laughs> Vin, Vinny Jones's doppelganger. I just I only noticed that when yeah. I looked at Lucioni, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. It's very, very close. And he uh, played the same position, yeah, he did, he did, and he did a very good job of uh, you know, getting the ball off the line and you know, when he has to. All he's got to do, you know, all he, all that's left for him to do is grab someone like Immobile's uh, privates and give him a twist like uh, Vinny did to Paul Gascoigne all those years ago. 
Oh, yeah, that's true. That is true. But we got we did get a Luis Luis Suarez, Luis Suarez impersonation, but that's a little bit later in this game. Yep, towards the end, and that was just totally out of frustration. Patrick channeling his inner Luis Suarez and taking a bite out of Donati. Um, initially not seen him, but then went back to VAR review and shown, yeah, that's uh, straight red. They got it right. Off he goes. Lecce with a shock 2-1 win over Lazio. Man of the match for me here was Gabriel. Nine saves. 100%. 100%. Kept was, this team in it. He was brilliant. He was brilliant. He's, and he's done that so much. Lecce, let me see. Lecce have conceded. 150 goals? They've conceded 71 goals this season. They would have conceded 140 with anyone else in goal. I mean, let's just... Gabriel's Be honest been, about the season that Gabriel has had for a team that's really been struggling. We've seen this in the past too with goalkeepers that have been on poor, poor teams, uh, and they they be, and they came out the you know, better for it. Skorupski is one that came out recently who's who's who was on a poor team and and played brilliantly. We're seeing this also with um, uh, with uh, Gabriel. Gabriel, he made some big saves in this game. He got better as the game went on. I thought that uh, as the game got more and more tense, his team kind of. Um, Gave up more and more opportunities to Lazio. He came up bigger and bigger. And there was a brilliant yeah. save. And I want to say it was on, on SMS or Luis Alberto. Uh, there was a dipping shot. And he, he it was SMS header. And he yeah. brilliantly saved it because it was going under the bar. And he got a head, hand on it. Just I mean, he great game. Man of the match. Yep. No doubt yep. about it. Outstanding performance from him. And Lecce getting a big, big three points that uh, as of today, um, you know, everybody else still has to play their 31st game. But they are in, they are safe right now uh, in seventeenth um, yeah. on twenty eight points. Now Genoa has to play, uh, but at the moment, Liverani right now trying to pull the miracle. And you know they should they should be happy because Genoa are playing with uh, with how you know Genoa are they got their own problems. Uh, you know we'll get to some in the game early in the week where they nearly blew it to Udinese and, and just got back into it by luck. But, um, you know, Lecce are doing what they need to do. They need to get the win. It's three points, which was no one thought about that was going to happen. They thought maybe a draw would come out of this game. They got three points that are important. I mean, not many teams can say they got three points from Lazio this season, especially at the bottom end of the table. So they need to ride the momentum. And I don't know, I, I don't have the, 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 the schedule in front of me to see who Lecce has next, but they need to feed off that momentum and take it because, We've seen this in the past many years. The teams in a relegation zone, they get hot at the right time, and all of a sudden they get themselves out. Crotone recently, and um, uh, who did it last year? I forget off the top of my head, but um, it's been it's been a heck of a ride this year with Lecce. They've had some really good runs, and then they played a lot, obviously a lot of poor football, but they could get hot here. They could use this as good momentum to get out of the zone, and Genoa haven't been playing very hot as of lately. Sampdoria, you know, did good enough today or this weekend, but um, Genoa is not out of the woods, and I think Lecce can can have them. Uh, Brescia, yep. the other two clubs are out of it, but I think Lecce is the only team of this bottom three that has an opportunity. Um, and you know, good for them. I'm, I'm going to pull for them. They got a, they got great kits. They got a great fan base. You know, who knows? Who knows? Yep, it's uh, it's uh, it's interesting. That's uh, that's that's for sure. So, um. And then as far as the strugglers around them, Genoa hosts Napoli, Sampdoria traveled to Atalanta. Uh, so, I mean, they might come out of, um, they might come out of this match week 31 sitting safely uh, on 28 points. Uh, 
So uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens, and we'll see how that uh, we'll see how that comes about. Yeah. So, um, so those are what went down. Okay, la- last question here with respect to Lazio. They're in second on sixty-eight points. Um, Inter have sixty-four. Atalanta have sixty-three. Lazio is going to the Champions League next season. This is not going to be this ultimate self-destruction. The top four is the top four. The top four is the top four. But they're not finishing second. I'm going to give this take right now. They're not finishing second, and uh, I think they're probably going to finish fourth. Where do you th- Where do you think that Lazio finishes up? Do you want Do you want my top four right now? Yeah. Obviously, Juventus first. Mm-hmm. Atalanta second. Inter I'll go with third, that. Inter third, Lazio fourth. I'll go with that. We got Pazzo Inter. Pazzo Inter, but right now. they're consistent enough. I think I think Lazio have hit the oh shit button. Um, and they're they're in self-destruct mode right now. Uh, I think that loss to Atalanta really shook them up, and they've never been the same since. They were up 2-0 on Atalanta against a very good team and then imploded to give up three goals, and ever since then they've been giving up goals left and right. So right. They're, they're one of those – they're like a boxer, like using this analogy again from earlier, but they've been stunned, and they're on the verge of knockdown. They're, they got a far enough gap from the, the teams in the Europa League spots that they're not going to have any worries about that. But, yeah, man, it doesn't look good for them. They're going to start. They're going. They they started this restart one point behind Juventus, and they're probably and they're likely going to end up finishing fourth. So, um, sorry, Jerry. But, yeah, sorry, Jerry. <laughs> sorry, Stephen Moore. Sorry, uh, Laziale all around. <laughs> sorry, total Laziale. Uh, it's been a good run though. They took you guys on a nice little ride. So, and uh, there's eighteen other teams that well, sixteen other teams that would like to be where you're sitting right now. So, um, so just you have that. So, um, shall we move on? Yeah, let's move on. A lot of good games going on. A lot yeah. of goals. <laughs> yep, lots of goals. Match day 30. We're going to review all that that happened over the weekend. 32 goals. Let's give Juventus fans something to be happy about. The Turin Derby uh, <laughs> taking place on Saturday. They roll 4-1. Uh, Paulo Dybala, goal of the match day candidate in the third minute. Uh, getting past. Boy, this was a really bad day for Lianco. Um, and... Uh, He's scoring in the thirty in the third minute. Um, it would be Juan Cuadrado who would go next uh, in terms of embarrassing Lianco. He scores in the 29th minute. Um, then there is a penalty just before halftime, and it's to Tur- it goes to Torino. It doesn't go to Juve. Um, and, uh, yeah, Andrea Bellotti takes advantage, beats Gigi Buffon, uh, and that sends it to halftime at two one. Uh, Torino nearly equalized. Uh, on a great chance in the second half. Nearly made it 2-2. Um, but then Ronaldo on a free kick in the 61st minute. Um, his first Is that his first free kick goal with, with Juve? First free kick goal in 43 attempts. Yes, first goal for Juventus. Uh, and and I, I tweeted out that the first goal he scored in, in decades, probably 84 years. So uh, good for him. It was a brilliant goal. One of the goals of the week. Yeah, but, it's a candidate, uh, definitely. No nothing, like no getting your, nothing like getting your money's worth. Right, Agnelli? Um, and then, uh, Gigi, somebody tell Gigi from Torino that Juventus didn't need help scoring in this game. They were doing it fine by themselves, but he decided to put one in his own net in the 87th minute, making it four one. Uh, we did mention Dybala had the yellow for simulation, which suspended him from the Milan game. The league getting a yellow, which also suspended him. Uh, in fact, he got the yellow for the handball. That's the one I was thinking about, um, uh, that led to Bellotti and he got the, was it a handball or I can't remember? It's yes, it was. There's two penalties in this 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 weekend that had me scratching my head, and one was Delict, which I at first I thought was 
I didn't think it was a handball. Um, it came off his thigh and then hit his hand. And then a little bit later on, and it was, I want to say it was against Parma. Um, I don't remember who it was. Anyway, uh, same thing happened, hit off the thigh and came up and hit the hand. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a penalty. So I'm like, well, what are you talking about? They were consistent. I'll give it to Syria. They were consistent on both plays where it bounced off the player's leg and hit their hand, and they called it the same way both times. And so if Syria is going to do that, I'm fine with that. So in that respect, I thought it was a harsh penalty, but a good penalty. Uh, for Delict, and I'm curious what referees you know would say and what, what Michael Lisi would say, but yeah, uh, he got a handball on that play and that yellow card. Unfortunately, tempted his fate for the for the Milan match. Unfortunately, and uh, it was a big big loss for Milan or for Juventus, I should say. Yep, yep. But uh, they do come away winning the derby four one, continuing their ownership over Torino. Been an awful start for Torino um, uh, since coming back from the break and uh, spiraling down to the bottom of the table. Um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Sassuolo four, Lecce two. Uh, the the fun bad adventures of Sassuolo continue. <laughs> Lots of tub thumping being played because it was at the Mape. That's what I enjoy the most about that. You got to get tub thumping when we do Sassuolo highlights if they win games. So if Chumbawamba will allow us to do that, or are they the kind of people that would like to sue? What do you think? I don't think they have enough money that they can do that. Uh, can they? Uh, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but anyway, Francesco Caputo with a goal of the week candidate. Nice finish um, uh, over uh, Gabriel in the fifth minute uh, to put Sassuolo ahead. Um, we mentioned Lucioni against Lazio, and we talked about him being a goal machine. It's because he scored in the 27th in this one. Uh, same thing, set-piece situation. So apparently Lazio didn't take notes that Lucioni's a threat on set-pieces. Um, it would be 1-1 at halftime, and then uh, Domenico Berardi would get a penalty. Uh, in the 63rd, uh, four minutes later, Mancosu would score a penalty uh, this time in the 67th. Uh, and it stayed 2-2 until the 78th minute where Jeremy Boga, what a season he's having. He's oh, he's in the 78th minute putting Sassuolo ahead. And then it is Merit Moldur, uh in the 83rd, uh, giving Sassuolo the 4-2 win. So the fun, bad adventures of Sassuolo. Man, there's like six goals in every Sassuolo game. There's, you know, why, why wouldn't you watch their games as a neutral? Absolutely. They're, they're so fun to watch. And I'm so happy for Jeremy Boga, uh, one for him, but one for this is a serial fan and neutral in general because he's been so fantastic for the league and so fantastic for Sassuolo. Uh, he signs an extension or, or officially signs for, for Sassuolo. So that's, that's great that he's staying in the league. You want to keep the talented players in the league. And he gets a goal to mark that special, such a special, uh, special time. And He's been playing really well lately. Um, you know, Tassuolo are just so fun to watch. You know, I hope you're not a Tassuolo fan because that gives you probably a heartache all the time. But anytime there's a game, like you said, there's at least six goals. You know, whether they give up six goals or it's a 4-2 kind of game. Yep. Um, it's going to be goals no matter what. And tub thumping was what we had uh, this weekend. Yep, yep. Lots of tub thumping. They should play it for the away teams when they score too. They should. That's they how should. cool that song is. So, um, uh, Saturday finished up with Lazio nil, Milan three. Hakan Chalanolu, goal of the week candidate. Great dipping yes. shot there. Oh, um, penalty in the 34th minute. Uh, Ibrahimovic uh, got a little lucky there. Uh, really one yeah. that Strakosa should have saved, but nonetheless, 2 0. And then Ante Rebic in the 59th minute, uh, giving Pioli's men the 3 0 win. Uh, taking advantage of a less than full, less than full strength Lazio side that couldn't play Immobile, couldn't play Caicedo, as we mentioned. Uh, so yeah. we go into Sunday, and it began with Pazzo Inter. Um, 
We love these guys. We love, love them when they're. Oh, we we yeah. love them. We just love them when they're like oh, this. Yeah. Antonio Conte losing his I know shit. Stevie loves them. I know Stevie loves them. Yeah, this is fantastic. Let's laugh at Inter for first time this year. Cheers uh, to that. Hey, great goal though for Inter to, to open things. The cross coming into Lataro. Lataro did a nice job on the near post run, glancing it the over post. to the back post. Um, would have been a goal of the week candidate if Lataro would have scored that. But Lukaku's there to uh, follow up and knock it in, uh, making it a goal to nil. Um, and then, uh, Bologna in the second half is where all of the highlights really take off in this game. Um, Soriano sees red in the 57th minute for saying something about the referee's mother after a foul. Um, about that. yeah, uh, it was a straight red, not even a yellow straight red. So he had to have said something very, very damaging. Um, but nonetheless, uh, Inter have a chance to make it two nil, uh, and I saw Nima get upset that Lataro took the penalty because it must have been Lukaku <laughs> saying to Lataro to go ahead and take it, and he didn't like that. Yeah. Um, you know, so Lataro takes it, and Skorupski saves that. Gagliardini with the follow through, Skorupski saved big double save by Skorupski, huge. Um, to keep Bologna in in it, and then that would be rewarded in the 74th minute. Juara scoring to put Bologna level. And uh, we need to know who Juara is. Yeah, there was, a, uh, there was an article, and I apologize who who tweeted out this weekend, but it's a great article about uh, his journey to Syria, and it's a fantastic read. And if I find it, I'm going to retweet it right, right away. But uh, it's a, definitely check it out. Um, Juara, for me, one of the goals of the weekend. What well, a candidate! A candidate. Um, you know, youngster, pretty much come from from the unknown, Gamb- and he gets Gambian a goal. Inter- Gambian international, 18 years old. Yeah, I mean, great for him to score in a big club like Inter. Um, and that was a big goal in the game because at that, at that point, it leveled the score. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of people were thinking it's going to be a walkover for Inter. Uh, Bologna is a good squad. We've talked about it all season long that they have the pieces there, especially now with Musabaro. Um, they have the pieces there that they can make it difficult for everybody. And, and I think Interisti, or at least Inter, the club, uh, overlooked Bologna and they, they, get, they paid for it, unfortunately. Hmm with you there um and then uh just after that bastoni would commit a foul and get a second yellow getting him sent off turning this into a 10 v 10 80th minute bologna would take the lead this is my goal of the week candidate uh from this game simply because of the ball that orsolini played uh to play in musa Bero and put bologna ahead two goals to one what a player ricardo orsolini is oh man yeah he's that was a juventus product right of course Yep. Uh, he's been a special player for Bologna, um, and uh, every time they, there's something good that happens, Bologna, he's usually involved. He's, yep. he's either the playmaker or the goal scorer. Uh, he's a brilliant player. Yep, very much in agreement with that. Uh, it would wrap up 2-1, Bologna with the shock win over the Nerazzurri uh, and getting the big three points, a, a tough day for Inter um, on the whole. Lucas Kurupski with five saves, three of them critical. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, having a big performance in that vein. Uh, Brescia 2, Verona nil. This is a bit of a surprise. Um, Shock of the Verona. weekend? What's that? Shock of the weekend? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Um, I would definitely agree with that. I think that uh, it, 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 the scoring didn't happen until the 52nd minute. Um, and in the first half, it was a game dominated by Hellas Verona. 69% possession, eight shots, four on target. Uh, you say Yoronin, if Brescia go down, Yoronin is going to find work. 
He's another, he's another goalkeeper like Gabriel who's benefited from being on a poor team because he's made big saves and he stood out above the rest. We've been talking about Yorinen all season long because he's made some big saves throughout the season. So, yeah, kudos for him. for He's gonna definitely going to have a job going, going on next year. Yep, indeed. Um, so in the uh, it was a uh, young star here for um, uh, Brescia, Andrea Papetti, another youngster, another teenager. Uh, getting his head on a cross from Sandro Tonali uh, and scoring to put Brescia ahead by a goal to nil. Um, and basically Brescia held on for deal life in this game to try to get the three points. Verona attacked. They created chances. Joronin was outstanding. Uh, six big saves in this game. Uh, but it was in the 96th minute, Alfredo, Alfredo Donnarumma. Easy for me to say. Drinks are getting uh, to us. <laughs> uh, I am on my neat uh, Woodford Double Oak now. So... Uh, Joronin with six big saves, Donnarumma with the goal, putting it away, Brescia getting three points that it's still a big mountain for them to climb with eight games remaining for them. Um, but we've seen it before. We have. We have. We have seen it before. So Sandro Tonali, um, rumors now that Milan are back in the mix for him. I'd love to believe it. I would. Um, especially with the, fin- the financial fair play being relaxed this year, and you know teams like uh, PSG and Man City being being happy about this, and obviously Milan as well. But I I still think uh, it, it's either Inter or Juve, and 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 I think Inter's got the advantage at the moment. But um, honestly, if he stays in Serie A, as long as he it whatever wherever he goes benefits him to be on the Azzurri, that's all I care about. Uh, but I while it looks nice that he's Milan's in the mix, I I think it's still too too far. Yep. Far of a dream for me, unfortunately. Okay. Okay. Well, do you think um, he would have a chance? I mean, with the way you got Benacer and Kessie situated already, how does that... Assuming Benacer doesn't go, right? Well, I don't think he will at this point. I mean, $50 million might not be enough, uh, with, which is what was rumored a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. You know where it would work if you put Tonali in front of them in a 4-2-3-1. Interesting. Interesting. Let him, let him play make from a higher area. Yeah. So that's interesting. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing that. I would not either. So um that would work for me because then you have the double pivot and you get you have the double pivot w- working in behind him. Um Bob's asking about Euronin, is it because he's playing week in and week out as well? I mean that has something to do with it. He's making but, big saves week in and week out. Uh he's yeah. been a brilliant goalkeeper for them uh, all season long, making big saves. Yeah, they're getting slaughtered, but I mean He's making the saves he makes are just unbelievable, and we've yeah. seen this in the past with you know, Dragoski, we've seen it with um Skorupski and some other guys as well. You know, they're getting a lot of shots, but the, the, the quality of saves that they're making is just unreal, and it shows that there's good goalkeeper there. If they had a defense in front of them, maybe he'd be getting shutouts instead of you know giving up three goals a game. So, you sure. want to look out for going forward, sure. Um so a uh, 2-0 win for Brescia. Uh, Cagliari and Atalanta, um, this game got over pretty quickly. Uh, Andrea Carboni seeing red in the 26th minute. It was actually a second yellow um, for uh, bringing down – he brought down Melanovsky in the penalty area. Uh, so he's shown red. Luis Muriel converts the penalty. Amazingly enough, that is it from Atalanta against 10 men uh, because Cranio made six big saves in this one. Um Atalanta, 25 shots in this game, seven on target. Um, you know, 
coming back to what some think some guys are saying here. Bob saying, "Oof, that would be nice." The idea of Tonali in front of Benazir and Kessie. Steve saying, "I wonder how Sinisa Mihalovic would have done under the Elliott Fund." Think he had great ideas and give chances to the youth. Sure, yeah, no doubt about yeah. it. I think he started. I think he's got, yeah, and I think he's got Bologna playing a very good system right now too. So, yeah. but let's come back to Atalanta. They this is two wins with clean sheets. This is not the Atalanta that I know. This is a uh, a Scudetto form Atalanta. This is a team that should worry the top top six teams because they're starting to figure out how to play defense. And we said, what did we say? Was it last year or the year before? If Atalanta could figure out how to play defense, look out rest of the league. Um, they can always score. They can score against anybody in the world. No doubt about that. But now they're getting shutouts. Uh, full credit goes to Cagliari for making making it tough against them. It's never easy to play in Sardinia. Uh, we've talked about this all the time. Um, but still, Atalanta could score, and they shut them out. And it was it was a difficult place to play for Atalanta. They had their chances, twenty five shots, like you said, but they kept them out. Cranio was brilliant. It was two good goalkeepers in this game. I thought, um, yeah, I just uh, not Cranio, excuse me, not. Um, but uh, yeah, no. Overall, is if Cagliari had their full their full staff with them, could they have maybe got another goal out? Who knows. Uh, we know that uh, Nangolan was up for the game. Obviously, he had some good opportunities in the game, and um, they came to play. But Atalanta, they're they're getting shutouts now, like you said, and uh, they they seem to be able to do it all. And it's uh, I'm I'm curious to see how with the form that they're in, they're in a good form still, like they were before, and going into Champions League, you know, here going in August, what they can do. I mean, it would not shock me for them to go really really deep in the Champions League, and I would love if they won Champions League. No, no doubt about it. I think every Serie A fan, outside maybe you know Juventus, would probably cheer for them. Even <laughs> even Juventus fans, because you know maybe they get knocked out next round. But Atalanta are just so fun to watch. And now maybe they can play defense. Oh my gosh! They well, got- let's not forget Napoli still in the Champions League too. Well, absolutely. And you yeah. know, Gattuso got them playing, and 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 especially when the Coppa Italia recently. Who knows? Yep. How great would it be to have three teams in the in the final the final four? Not that it, mm-hmm. it could pan out, but hey, we see. You know, it'd be great. But coming back to Atalanta, three points is three points is three points. We we expect it to be a lot prettier than this, but in this case, they got it. Um, I I have a good friend, high school classmate. He's appeared on this chat a couple of times in the past, uh, and he has decided he's adopting Atalanta as his favorite um, Serie A team. And um, he said uh, he's the last two games, and he just he texted me. Uh, the other day, and this is, you know, he's, he's, he's getting his toe. He, he's kind of getting his feet wet with Serie A. He's, he's, he, he, he likes, um, he, he's a Marseille supporter. He watches some Liga. So he, he says he's adopting Atalanta as his favorite Serie A team. So he watches and, um, he texts me and he says, um, uh, yeah, uh, Atalanta sure making it interesting lately. And I, uh, texted him. I said, welcome to be, welcome to being a, uh, supporter of a Serie A team you're never going to be happy <laughs> so. that's true that's true I mean okay sorry Atalanta's not scoring five goals a game now but yeah but, you know I got uh, I got one of our one of our good friends in Serie A here Uncle Sharma to join the Shaka bandwagon and they're this pathetic team to, to watch in general and so I feel bad for him for telling him to come join the team that I support so Atalanta's a good team to support yeah they might not always win you know five nothing or you know five two but they'll win they'll win mm-hmm. now they're they got depth they're one of the most uh complete teams that they have in the league. Juventus yeah. obviously has the most depth, but Atalanta is right up there. They, they you know, they got Castagna and Hatteborg play right. They got pretty much two guys at every position, which is unreal. 
and they all can perform. They can all score goals. Yep. Yep. Um, so Atalanta getting another three points, uh, smash and grab in this case. I mean, dominated the game. They, what else are they going to do against 10 men, especially if it's Cagliari? Uh, but they go on and get it done. Parma won Fiorentina two. This was Darby della penalties. Um, because that's all there was. That's all there were as far as the goals. A Pulgar penalty in the 19th, and then he got one in the 31st, and then Kuchka got one in the 49th uh, for Parma. Um, other than that, not much else to report on what happened there. Parma fans were griping about all the penalties against them, but I mean, I I I, I looked at these two penalties in particular uh, over and over again. Like every time I watched, I'm like, yeah, it's a penalty. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like your guys shouldn't have run over the guy or or committed the foul. But I thought those. Penalty. I've we've seen we we've mm. talked about on this podcast how penalties are BS sometimes, but I thought yep. the three in this game were pretty straight on, and I got no complaints really. And I know it sucks that you have two penalties against you in a game, but yep, if it happens, it happens. Yep, indeed. Right. Um, Sampdoria three, Spall nil. Uh, did, did, what has Richard Whittle done to people <laughs> that he gets these shitty games now? Because he's he used to do some of the big games with Paul Visca, remember years ago. Wasn't he the one um, who made a Qualiarella call on the back heel goal against Napoli? Was that him? No, that was um uh, the guy that leads the uh the the the, the um the Did eleven he the sports Did he get group. The Roma and Champions League game then? No, that's uh, Peter Drury. I'm, I'm losing it then. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know how Whittle gets these calls, regardless. But yeah, yeah they give they, they're giving Whittle these just these ugly games, and Short I feel straw. bad for him because he's a you know. He's, you know, he's got a good voice. He calls yeah. the game. He has such a passion for Serie A, but maybe it's goals, one of those though. where he got goals, though, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. He got goals out of it. He got two of them from Carolinetti, one in the 11th minute, the other in uh, just before halftime. Manolo Gabbiadini, goal of the week candidate on his free kick in the 45th. Spall yeah. really just Spall had 61% possession in this game and did absolutely nothing with it. So, which is more shocking? Well, I, I know which is more shocking that they had 61% percentage, right, of possession. Um, the fact that they did nothing with it is nothing too surprising. I think the, one of the best performances they had was recently. It was against Milan. Yep. Um, and they were un, unfair, unfairly drawn in that game. I thought, I thought they did what they had to to get a win. Uh, but in this game in particular, yeah, they had all the possession in the world, but they couldn't do anything with it. Uh, Carol Anetti and Gabbiadini made them pay for it. Um, and in this league, if you want to stay in this league, uh, you need to give, you need to finish your opportunities. And as Spall hasn't done that consistently enough, and you know they've been right. not quite dentist chair, but they've they put pretty poor at the last, you know, since they've been up in Serie A. Most dangerous chance I think I remember from that game was Trefetsa having a, a header at point blank range. Yeah. Andero making a nice save there. Yeah. yeah. So um, Udinese two, Genoa two, great game here. Um, Seiko Fofana, best player on the pitch in this game for yes. either team, scoring in the forty fourth. Um, and then he would assist in a one-two with Kevin Lasagna to uh, make it two-nil. Uh, and then, yes, seventy-five-year-old Goran Pandev turning up in the eighty-first minute and bagging one to give Genoa a lifeline. Um, and then there would be a penalty at the death. Andrea Pinamonti takes it. Musso saves it, but Pinamonti's there for the rebound for a vital point for the Griffone, making it two-two. And um, well, count your lucky stars if you're Genoa. Yeah. Fan. Oh, sure. Count your lucky stars there. Genoa, I, I, Udinese was the better team in this game, and how they didn't come away with three points is criminal. Um, but uh, uh, not me never cheering for Atalanta is what Stevie says. He's got that, he's got that, 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 that the Lombardia the rivalry. stubbornness, the rivalry. 
He considers it a derby. He yeah. does. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 can, I can absolutely see that for sure. But you got to admit they play beautiful football. Whether you're going to cheer for them or not, they play attractive football. Um, I enjoy watching them, and I'm not apologizing for it. That's right. That's right. So, and then finally, I mean, how how exciting? I mean, how crazy is these these games and what happened today that <laughs> an hour and nineteen minutes we're getting into the dark. We're finally getting into the Derby de la Sud. Yeah, it's been it's, it's that kind of crazy weekend. It's been a lot of crazy results. Um, and this game normally would take the center stage, especially considering how it panned out. Uh, but there's been so many things going on, and, and with what happened today with both games, um, the way Pazza Inter has been playing lately, and uh, yeah, it's 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 Syria, it's 2020. What are you gonna do, right? It's right. Uh, yeah, can't can't explain it, but hey. Another good game to end end it all, and uh, I'm happy we got to to participate or watch it at least. I should not participate. We're not that good. We're not that. Let's good. let's give this one some attention because there was implications, obviously, with the Europa League places and jockeying for position. Yeah. Um, the uh, lineup for uh, uh, Napoli: Alex Merritt and goal uh, back four that is now finally stabilized. Giovanni Di Lorenzo, uh, Manolas getting the start instead of Maximovic, uh, Koulibaly, and Mario Rui. Midfield of Fabian Ruiz, Diego Deme, who has really been strong for them since joining, yeah. Piotr Zelinski, and then a front three of Callejon and Lorenzo Insigne flanking Arkadiusz Milik. Um, surprising that they go with Milik from the beginning and not the tried and trusted goal scorer in Serie A that we keep touting, Dries Mertens. It's a curious case of Dries Mertens. Um, we've, we've talked about it numerous times in this podcast, how a player of of the quality of Dries Mertens doesn't get the, the the starting time that he deserves. He's been he's been so good for them. He's been he's their all time leading scorer. Uh, he does he he does assists. He does goals, set pieces, everything, and he doesn't get the start in this one. And I guess I, I get you got to rotate. I mean, we we had Sari before who didn't rotate anybody, right? He didn't rotate rotate anybody. He had like mm-hmm. 11, 12 guys. Left it at that. Yep. Um, is at least rotating the guys, and I, I get maybe they're having a few games in a few days, they wanted to ro- keep it fresh, but I don't know. I, I to me, Dries Merton is always going to be on the starting lineup, for, uh, just the quality he brings and the, and the the opportunities he creates every single play. Um, I love Milik, and Milik can, can do a lot for you, especially as he's a, a striker, you want the shape, the body, uh, the goal, goal scoring nose for it. But Merton's has to be automatic, doesn't he? Yeah, but you made the comment about Saudi. Could you imagine Saudi's Napoli playing under these parameters? <laughs> three of them, three of them would be dead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's no getting around it. He would. I mean, he he ran that that year, the Scudetto packed year. He ran those guys into the ground, and they just didn't have a leg to stand on, and just ran out of gas and. And and he they went on and won the title and 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 if Sarri was going to be that star, playing a game every three days in the summer heat, you know in in Napoli and in the southern part of the country, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> what you know? What are, what are you going to say? So, yeah. um, Atalanta also have a coach who will be on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, Steve Steve has a thing I guess you know with uh, Gasparini being the uh, the dancer I guess, but. Uh... He's a good coach. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll agree okay. to disagree, I guess. How about that? Okay. Okay. Um, didn't know where that was going. Uh, but Roma, Paul Lopez and goal. He was excellent in this game, by the way. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, a back five, uh, Zappa Costa, Gianluca Mancini, Chris Smalling, Roger Ibanez, and Leonardo Spinazzola. Um, it was Clivert Mkhitaryan on the flanks, I think, the way it looked with Veratu and Pellegrini from the middle, and then Aiden Dzeko, uh as the striker. It felt like Fonseca was anticipating what Napoli can throw at them going forward, and he wanted extra cover in the back. It did. It did. It, it, it seemed like almost another case of where, um, like in Zaghi, we talked about overthinking things a little bit, I think. And instead of playing to his strength, he tried to play to to figure out what Gattuso and, and Napoli were going to throw at them and try to counteract that. And I think um, some managers have the depth to be able to do that. And I don't think Roma are one of those clubs. Um, unfortunately, you need to play with your strengths and go with that. And then, and, and it's hope for the best. I mean, um, it started out well for them. No, it certainly did. And and overall, if you look at the 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 way this game played out, it was a, it was not a bad tactic to take. But um, you know, if you whenever you try to see what the opposition does and then just counteract that, most more times than not, it's not going to end in your favor. I think because uh, depth and and quality is what really what you need to to overcome those situations. And Roma, unfortunately, are without. Sure. Sure. Um, first half, no goals, but man, Napoli could have been two or three up, um, yeah. five big saves from Paul Lopez. Napoli controlled this game. Um, you know, Roma just, uh, never got off the blocks and, uh, you know, Milano Miguel boy have Roma dipped in form from the start of the season. Yeah. They have been a big time struggle. Um, second half, uh, more of the same Napoli bossing possession. It would finally pay off. Callihan scoring on a beautiful cross from, uh, Maria Rui, yeah. uh, putting them up a goal to nil, and Napoli uh, have the goal that they deserve. There's really no getting around that. No, yeah, they, they were the better team by far. Well, not by far, but they were the better team, and they deserved a goal. And I thought uh, Mario Rui played a, be- a brilliant cross, I thought, and, and it found Callejon. Callejon did exactly what he needed to do with his right foot, um, and he put it away. I mean, the mustache is uh, to be argued about for sure. Uh, but I think overall, Cayohan uh, did well to get on the end of it, and you know, full credit goes to Mario Rui for uh, for creating the opportunity and, and getting a good cross on in there. Because um, I thought uh, without that cross, Cayohan really couldn't have done anything with it, right? It's it's yeah. all that it's all that service that he got from Rui, and uh, full credit goes and that goal goes to Rui. I think excellent ball in, no doubt about it. Um, Roma would get one back just five minutes later. Henrik Mkhitaryan with a run from midfield and uh, finishing it off. Uh, one that nearly got clipped away by Di Lorenzo, but he got it just under him and finished, making it 1-1. And suddenly Roma have a little bit of a lifeline here and a reason to try to go and get something out of this game. Um, a game that Napoli had dominated, and suddenly it's 1-1. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it was a it was a glimmer of hope, I guess, for Roma. Mkhitaryan uh, doing well to get a get a long shot off like that, uh, getting a goal in there. Um, it, it's always tough when you play a team that's possession based, like Napoli, who's going to hog all the possession. Um, but when you get those opportunities, you need to take advantage of it. And Roma, in that particular situation, was under Mkhitaryan, they they were able to capitalize on that and get and get a goal. Was it the prettiest of goals? No. Was it the most powerful goal? No. But it got in, and that's all that really matters. Goal is a goal, uh, as we talked about with Atalanta, with a win is a win. Um, but, you know, at that point, 1-1, you know, if you're Roma, you got to like your chances. You're playing a team that's out-possessing you, pretty much outplaying you, and you're equal in the game. So at that point, why not just throw the cards out there and, and try to get a game winner at that point? And it would be 
22 minutes where this would remain 1-1, and um, Roma would end up being sent to the third defeat and in style. Uh, Lorenzo Insigne, it is my goal of the week. Um, you score a goal like that in the Derby della Sud, you deserve to be the goal of the week. Uh, that's for match week 30. That's not the games from today. Um, great curling ball. Paul Lopez had absolutely no chance. Napoli 2-1. I mean, it's typical. I mean, and Insigne has done this before, scoring winners at the San Paolo. He does it again. Oh, no. He is he is uh, the man, and, you know, he's Napoli's man there. What a, what a wonderful curler shot he had there. Uh, mm. One of the weekend for sure. Uh, whenever whenever the times have been tough for, for Napoli and they needed a big goal, he's usually the guy that comes up. Um, comes up big for them, and he did in this opportunity. I mean, what a play. Pretty much seemingly out of nothing. Um, he, he got the ball and just and rifled it in. Brilliant, hard, difficult angle. Not many guys can score from that angle, but uh, in Lorenzo Insigne, uh, hats off to him. Brilliant goal. Brilliant goal. Yep, yep indeed. So it finishes 2-1 for Napoli. Um, we look at the table, and this will include the games that were played today. Roma now with three straight defeats um, have fallen to sixth. Um but they're only up on goal difference over Napoli. Uh, but they both have 48 points. Juventus 75, Lazio 68, Inter and Atalanta still yet to play. Inter in third on 64, Atalanta 63. Um, looking at the games coming up here on Wednesday the 8th, uh, you have um, Atalanta is hosting Sampdoria on the 9th. Uh, you have Inter traveling to play Hellas Verona. Um, never easy, never easy. Nope. Uh, so when this is all said and done, we could be looking at Atalanta being in third and inter being in fourth. Um, uh, you know, we could see inter going to Verona with a, and getting a draw and then Atalanta jumping them with the win over Sampdoria. I expect them to beat Sampdoria. And also you got, you know, with the other teams involved, I, Hundred percent on the take that you just had there with in, with Atalanta and Inter, and you have Roma taking on Parma, which is never an easy battle for them as well. And right, um, they got to be looking under, uh, looking behind them because, or I guess ahead of them because both Milan and Napoli. Obviously, we know what Milan did, but Napoli got to play Genoa. So you know, if between Napoli against Genoa and and Roma and Parma, you got to like Napoli's favor in that. And then in terms of Atalanta, Sampdoria, you got to give them advantage because Hellas Verona play heck of a defense. Uh, defensive setup against uh, an inter team, which has really struggled lately against teams like that. So that's going to probably be the game of the weekend, I think. Um, those two right there, you know, yeah. tomorrow or whatever it is. Uh, Verona and Inter is Thursday. Uh, Thursday. But so game of Thursday, Thursday game yep. of the week. Yep, it'll be a it'll be a good game. Um, what we're seeing though is we are seeing that top seven really separate from the rest of the pack because in seventh is Napoli on forty eight, Hellas Verona on forty two. Um, Bologna in ninth on 41, Sassuolo in 10th on 40. Um, yeah. So we're starting to see that separation, and I really don't find anything compelling with Hellas, Verona, Bologna, or Sassuolo, or even Cagliari and Parma, who are both on 39, sitting in 11th and 12th respectively. Um, that says to me that they can make a run here over the last eight games to try to unseat anybody sitting in 5th through 7th. No, I agree 100%. I think I think the top four is set in terms of the four teams. Um, then it's going to be really the really big battles are going to be the Europa League teams because they're pretty much you know the three teams that are just battling it out. And then after that, you know the real battle is going to be the the relegation because I think everybody in the middle there they got nothing to play for. I don't see how it's going to catch in Napoli or the other three teams in the Europa League hunt. 
Um, and then, you know, in terms of the, the relegation, it's really bad down to the bottom four. I think Torino's good enough that they're going to be able to, you know, scrape out of this, as well as Udinese and Sampdoria uh, and even Fiorentina. Uh, but I think, you know, it's going to come down to ultimately Lecce and Genoa, you know, who's going who's gonna to want it more. And then in, in, in terms of the Europa League, it's between the, you know, Napoli, Roma, and Milan. And, you know, you got two teams playing really well at the moment. One team is not. And, you know, it's going to be curious how it all ends up. There's still, you know, plenty to play for. But, man, it's going to be fun to watch. It always is. You, you always think you know you have it pegged down on what's things, how things are going to shape out. I mean, even the top four, you know, the four teams are set. But we don't know what place they're going to be in. And based on forms, it, it could be topsy-turvy, really, uh, outside of Juventus. So, it's still must must see TV despite how many games are left and where people are placed and the separation. But um, yeah, man, it's 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 fun. Yeah, Torino um, host Brescia tomorrow. That's a big one. Big one. Um, you want the breathing room, Torino? You got to win this one tomorrow. Otherwise, if Brescia wins, this gets really fun. My goodness, they have twenty four points or within three points of. Uh, of 18th place my goodness yeah. it's brescia so could get brescia could end up with 24 points to a uh, torino loss would keep them on 31 and sitting in 16th um it could you know and if genoa get a point this could get very very interesting very very fast yeah um let's go through the games here richard that are going to happen the rest of this midweek before we get you know and and then uh and then go from there um the games on wednesday there's six of them uh 1:30 eastern kickoffs uh there's two of them there Fiorentina hosting Cagliari um and then Genoa hosting Napoli uh I like Napoli winning I like uh I don't like Fiorentina I think I'm going to go with Fiorentina beating Cagliari there um Cagliari is a waveform eh not the greatest and, and yeah. Fiorentina needs the game more than Cagliari does I do. uh 3:45 east kickoffs there's four of them Atalanta hosting Sampdoria that's a win for Atalanta Bologna hosting Sassuolo Hold on. Abacus time. Uh, what's that? I, it might be Abacus time for that. Abacus? Oh, it's always Abacus time with Sassuolo. There's there's four, there's four six Touché. goals in that game. Easy. Um, Roma and Parma. Big one there. Um, and then Torino hosting Brescia. We already talked about that's a huge one as well. So, uh, And then we get into Thursday's games. Two of them there. Spal hosting Udinese. That is a huge game. Spal sitting at the bottom on 19 points in a lot of trouble right now. Udinese desperately need this game. A win here could potentially have them eight points clear of safety, uh, and with that being some breathing room. And then the big one, and then a big one on Thursday, Hellas Verona, last chance saloon for them if they want to be a player in this uh, Europa League race, hosting Inter. Um, I think that one's a draw, um, and I will go with Udinese just getting past Spall. Uh, narrowly 2-1 is where I'm going to go there, but I'll go with uh, Verona and Inter going to a draw. That, uh, the game has that written all over it. I think Verona can score if they need to, uh, but they're good enough defensively to, to shut down Inter. I think, yeah, draw 100% in that one. Udinese, Spa, I think Udinese probably can equal out of there. Um, some good games. I mean, uh, Cagliari, Fiorentina, you got to like the home squad there, Fiorentina, especially after the big win against uh, uh, recently. Uh, so Fiorentina get the win there. Genoa, Napoli, you got to you got to favor Napoli, no doubt about that. Sampdoria as well. But lo- for me, you know, the, the two games I'm going to watch outside of Inter and and Hellas, uh, it's got to be Bologna, Sassuolo, just for the goal yeah. sake. Um, yeah. Who knows? That's probably a three-two game. I mean, I'm going to mm. give a slight advantage to Sassuolo, and then Roma, Parma. 
Um, I, I do want to watch Torino Brescia because that's going to be a big game. But I think Roma Roma Parma could be really fun to watch, and that's could be another three two game, honestly. So right, uh, a lot of good games still. Man, man, it's just uh, fun to watch. I'm glad Calcio's back. I'm, sure, every day, almost every day. Sure. Um, and let's get to some, I mean, just this weekend, just to peek at a couple of games that are jumping out at me on Saturday, Juventus hosting Atalanta. If Atalanta beats Sampdoria tomorrow, they have a chance to go to the J and with a win on Saturday would be only six points behind Juve, uh, with six games to go. Hot take Atalanta win. You think they go, you think they win? I don't think anybody can stop them from scoring. And I think they can do enough defensively to, I I think Atalanta wins. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can do that. Oh man, that's going to be hard. It is. It is. But I, I got. Atala- I, I have Atalanta going to second place this season, so I, they have to win at the J to make that happen. I do think they can do it. Juve get Dybala back. They get the leak back. The leak back. So they're going to be. They're going to be at full strength. Um, boy, but what a game! I mean, if it's going to be Atalanta's last gasp, hope of competing for a Scudetto, and this gets very, very interesting if they can win. I mean... They may get 30 shots in that game if they if they really want it that much, that bad. I don't think they yep. will because, you know, Juventus are a quality team, but Atalanta, man. I I don't I can't think of any team in the world that can stop them from scoring. Manchester City sure. can't. Nope. Uh, Sunday, uh, Napoli and Milan. That is a big game. The two um, form teams of this league... Former manager against his old team, former mm-hmm. player against his old team. Um, yeah, it's a big game. It's at the San Paulo. Obviously, no fans are involved, so that you know that helps you know minimize that for Milan. But you go, man. Um, that is a tough game. Draw. Draw. Yeah, yeah. I'm checking out. Draw. I'm gonna say a late equal, a late victory for Milan. I, I, the okay. teams are so even. It's kind of how I felt going into that Roma game. I thought both teams are fairly even. And I thought the way the form of Milan that they had a chance to take it, if you know things played out, I, I had the same feeling. I, I'm gonna go Milan just just barely, maybe a rubbish game winner. Two two for me. That'll yeah. it'll be a good it'll be an entertaining game. Yeah. Actually make it one one. I think that they're gonna I think they're gonna feel each other out a lot. I think they're each gonna come away with a point and they're not gonna be terribly bothered by it. So Yeah. Um, because we're in a spot right now where fifth, sixth, and seventh are going to go through as long as Napoli are going to hold one of those places as the Coppa Italia winner for the uh, for the Europa League. So um, I can't, you know, if one one go, if it's one one, not going to be surprised. Nope. Um, but, I expect uh, the draw, but I, I hope somebody gets a winner. Yep, I'm going to take the easy way out on that one. So <laughs> I can't call it. But uh, what a game it's going to be. Some So some good games to look forward to this weekend. Some good games still to look forward this week. We are empty, so we're going to put a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down. Sadly. Shameless plug time, Richard. Shameless plug time. Okay. Um, again, I want to thank Uncle Sharma for letting me be on his channel recently uh, to talk Serie A, to talk Inter. Uh, please check him out. Please give him a follow. Absolutely a great follow. Um, I am working on the next vlog for Serie A Sit Down. This one's going to be on Napoli. Uh, be ready for that. Uh, I'm ex- I'm happy about it. I'm oh, I'm putting on the finishing touches on that, so it'll be out this week. But I'm happy about that. So uh, please nice. keep an eye out for that. Um, other than that, you can find me anywhere at r underscore k h a r m a n. And I'm gonna give a shout out to the Leche Fan Club of the UK. Uh, we've been chatting back and forth, and I think we're gonna try to get them on next week. That'd be great. Fingers crossed. 
because uh, we want to get them in before the end of the season. So hopefully we get them in next week. Uh, so shout out to those guys. And then, uh, yeah, uh, as always, follow the Serie A Sit Down YouTube page and follow us everywhere else, including my heart radio. Yep. Uh, drop a like down below. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Serie A Sit Down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere there's podcasts. You can find Serie A Sit Down. Um, I am at FTC underscore 21. Um, and this is the only place you're going to find me talking Calcio. So, uh, <laughs> I don't have any guest appearances lined up. Apparently nobody wants me on their podcast. So, and that's fine. Uh, got enough on my plate right now. To, okay. So, so that works for me. Um, at Seria sit down on Twitter and Instagram. We're also available on Facebook. Check us out there. Um, so plenty of places where you can track us down and we can keep pumping out content and, uh, want to thank you guys as always, uh, for your listenership and, uh, thanks everybody, uh, for contributing to the chat. We had some excellent comments. We had some thank excellent you, talking points. So, uh, thank you guys for your participation there. And, uh, we will do this again next week, Richard. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, the season's not over yet. Despite, nope. despite it being July. Not in the slightest. So uh, with that, thank you again for uh, tuning in. Thank you again for listening. For Richard, I'm Frank. And as always, make sure you keep telling your paisans about us. Ciao.